Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Man, wasn't that a powerful morning? Come on now. We're not even halfway done yet. And that was just next level. Thank you, Pastor Roger, Pastor Juan for leading worship. Amazing, amazing stuff this morning. I mean, like, it was cool. Pastor Roger, you're a cool dude. <laughs> That's my boy. Listen, I'm super excited. One of the things I love about conferences is when there is a Q&A session in the conference. It is powerful. It is such a powerful time. And for some of you who've never been in a Q&A, this might be a little bit new. But one of the reasons I love Q&As is, is most of the time, incredible speakers, incredible worship. But oftentimes we leave a conference and we're like, how do I now apply this to my life? Pastor Roger said this thing, and I thought it was so good. He said, you know, God can move on your Sunday, but what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And I love Q&As because Q&As get us ready for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all right? And so super excited for this Q&A, super excited for this panel. So I'm going to just introduce the guest speakers on this panel this morning, and I'm going to give you guys instructions. First off, if you could please welcome up Pastor Roger again to the stage. Come on, Pastor Roger. Let's do it. I mean, you already preached once, so you're done for the day, though. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> but it's a pre- when you give a bunch of preachers a mic, I don't know what's going to happen. I know. I got to hurry up, too. All right. Secondly, I want to introduce our lead pastor here at Thrive Church, Pastor Eric Baca. Come on up. Come on up. And then lastly, super excited, he's going to be preaching the next session, Pastor Johnny Clark all the way from Tracy. Come on, Pastor Johnny. Great. Great stuff. And so this is how we're going to do it. We're going to start off by asking uh, them a few questions. And what we would like you to do is this. We want you to engage in the Q&A. And so you're going to text this number on the screen. If we could throw that up. Thank you, sir. And can you do me a favor? Give it up for the production team in the back. Come on. They're the ones that make it happen with sound and lights and media. They're the unsung heroes of the church most of the time. We love them. And so do me a favor. Text this number on the screen. I'm going to get it. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask them the questions you text, all right? It's pretty simple. And so it could be about anything. I think, I think about anything, right, Albert? We're pretty open. Yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be about fight conference or even the messages or the sermons. It can be about whatever. Now, the, the a couple Dodgers, of rules. The Dodgers. Be, it could be about the Dodgers. It could be all about the Dodgers for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Everybody okay with that? Renee? Yeah? yeah? <laughs> we're, on, we're in a holy place, guys. We have a, have a better attitude. <laughs> I know, I'm, just, I'm surprised you didn't say sports teams as like in the cave, you know what I'm saying? I was like, that's some idols in people's lives, but that's, that's, that's later. I'm a Dodger fan though, I'm just saying though, some people need to chill out. Text me, you're gonna text that number on the screen, right? And I am gonna be filtering the question, so a couple ground rules. Don't get upset if your question doesn't get answered, okay? All right, we only have a certain amount of time, but we're gonna get through as much questions as we can, and we're gonna go for it. So real quick, before we get started, I would just for love to have everyone who's up on the panel. Can we just give it up for the entire panel real fast? Come on. Give it up for the entire panel. And for you guys, um, Pastor Roger, you already introduced yourself. Pastor Eric, if you can introduce yourself just real fast, and then Pastor Johnny, right after Pastor Eric. I'm Pastor Eric, and I'm super excited about this event. Um, Albert, great job, and your guys pull off a great job. Uh, 70 men registered, like 67 showed up. I think Jesus came and took the three. (laughs) (laughs) No, just happy. Glad you guys are all here. Amen. Good stuff. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see you, brothers. Hey, you know what? I'm a firm believer. Whenever men come together, something's going to happen. 
Yes. Yeah, because you do know he started with the man. <laughs> Pastor Johnny, good to see you all. That's like the only time I think we can get away with that. Especially if you're married at a men's conference, because if we said that on Sunday. No, my wife will still find out, bro. She's texting me now. I heard that. <laughs> good stuff. All right, so go ahead and text your questions in. Come on, we're going to start getting into this, and we're going to start off with this first question. Just got it in. Really, really good stuff. I think it kind of picked piggybacks off of Pastor Roger's message. And so uh, feel free, whoever wants to jump in, jump in, take turns. The first question is this, is that what are some real pressures men go through while trying to follow Jesus? What are some real pressures? I think this is going to be great. You've touched a couple of them, Pastor Roger, but in your perspective, whoever wants to jump in, what are some real pressures, especially in this day and age, that men struggle with, especially when we're trying to follow Jesus? I think that's a different dynamic than just a normal guy, but as a believer, as a disciple, as a Christian, what are some pressures that are going on right now? And just to kind of identify them, like what Pastor Roger was talking about. Anyone? Go once, go twice. Okay. Why don't you go ahead first. Go first. Oh, I felt like I I did. Uh, I, I did. Some of them. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of one that maybe I didn't hit on, but, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the pressures that men collectively, uh, go, Christian men collectively go through is the pressure between uh, knowing that they are called to lead their home well, to live a, a spiritual life, knowing that calling is there to, to uh, be strong uh, in their faith. Um, and But feeling the pressure that they are uh, not as holy or righteous as the brother sitting next to them, mm. you know, and so they feel, and so they have this pressure to have to keep face. Mm. Right, right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anybody else want to piggyback? I, that I would, I would definitely piggyback with that, along with um, being transparent. Mm. Mm. I believe as men, especially in conferences like this and uh, connecting with each other, we need to learn to be more transparent right. uh, because I believe you can't be transformed until you're transparent. Right. Oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. right. You can't be transformed to you're transparent. Uh, uh, and I would strongly advise every Christian brother to do this. I've, uh, I've gone to a therapist, right? Uh, pastors, you can really dealing with us requires that I <laughs> deal with me. And uh, right, one yeah. of the things I love about the therapist is when you get there, whether it's a couch or a chair, the first thing they say is start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what the therapist does is just let you talk. And you'll be amazed to find out that you begin to heal by expressing how you feel. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Good stuff. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, I'll just piggyback off the language of the preacher this morning, and Pastor Johnny just touched on it. I think that sometimes... Men feel pressure, and they don't even know where it's coming from. Ooh, that's good. Mm -hmm. But we feel like there's expectations. We feel like there's disappointments. Right. We feel like there's too much on our shoulders. But you can't really pinpoint it because you can talk about stress at work, but we, you know, that's kind of most of the time that's pretty normal. I mean, yeah. there's work has pressure responsibilities. Mm -hmm. We want to be good dads or good husbands. So there's some pressure there, but that's pretty normal. Why do we get overwhelmed? I think it has a lot to do with the caves that we don't even know we have. Yeah. And 
because every now and then bats come flying out of those caves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we start saying things we shouldn't say or thinking things we are embarrassed to think. Where's that coming from? Right, right. And I think, and then we just try to like, oh, you know, recover without actually exploring where's that pressure coming from? Why, you know, why, um, where's the lust coming from really? Mm-hmm. You love your wife. You're attracted to your wife. Mm-hmm. Why do your eyes wander? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why are we, there's an underlying sense of insecurity. Why am I still trying to prove myself so that whether our kids embarrass us in public or just re- disrespect us in private, mm. we take a machine gun mm. to a 10 year old. Right. Because there's, it's not the pressure of the 10 year old. There's pressure coming from somewhere else. So I do think that uh, this concept of allowing the Holy Spirit to take us to the dark places. And from the beginning, Pastor Johnny said, I think there's, I think we're still getting bullied by that kid in seventh grade mm-hmm. and don't know it. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're on edge whenever there's a cross word. We're fighting the seventh grader that was bigger than us and wow. took advantage of us. Right. 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 So I think in order to have that complete healing mm-hmm. and freedom to really fight freely, right? And to f- we have to fight those battles first. And just one last thing is I, I think that uh, God can heal our past, but one way he really does it isn't just like magically taking the way, away the pain. Mm-hmm. I think we have to go back and remember different. Right. Mm. right, right. We have to remember different, right. yeah. like through the cross. So that seventh, that eighth grader that picked on you when you were in sixth grade is to go back and think, why did he pick on me? Mm. What was going on at home with him? Mm-hmm. What was his dad doing to him mm-hmm. that he needed to get back and it was on me? And if we can look at the memories, all those bad memories, all those really tragic memories or points of hurt through the cross, I think healing can really begin from the inside out rather than just trying to have something happen from the outside. Good stuff. Good stuff. So just going right off of that, got a question in, really good question. So if we have multiple caves, this is what this person, go ahead and text it. If we have multiple caves, where should we start? Right? Should we do smallest first? Should we do the bigger one? What do you do when there's multiple caves, not just one? And I think that's a great question because even talking about where do the caves come from, right? Like we don't even know we have them. And then once we identify them and you realize, oh, it's not just like one or two. I got like 10. Some of us, come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like how do, we, how do we start that process? Smallest to biggest? What, what are some key things? And we've had a couple questions on that, on, on how to even start the process of getting through those caves. So just anyone can jump into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, man. Cave man. Yeah, the cave. All right. Cave man. All right. <clears throat> right. I think <laughs> you set that up for yourself, bro, on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're listening. <laughs> I think uh I think part of it is doing something that is oftentimes hard for us to do, which is and I was talking to uh someone about this out there, is uh you want to you want to be able to ask yourself the hard questions, yeah. and then take time to really think about it. Mm. Um, and so, for instance, um, you know, if if something triggered you, you know, you got defensive or angry or whatever, something triggered you. Um, take time and be like, well, wait a minute, why why was I triggered by that? 
what is it that my wife did that was so bad that I began to yell at her? Or what is it that, you know, the coworker did that just annoys me? And every time, you know, whatever the situation is, you know? Yeah. So what, look, find the, be more self-aware of the triggers and then at, begin to ask yourself, why is that? And then ask yourself why again? And then why again? And, and through those, and through those whys, you begin to begin to identify um, what are, what, what are some of the root causes and that might help you be able to know where, where to begin to start on that journey. So that's, that's one way of, I think, you know, helping the process. And, and I'm glad the question was, where do you begin to start? Because the real battle is just starting to do it. Right. I agree. Good stuff. Anyone else? Good. I was going to say that. Just start. The yeah. Begin, uh, just start. Uh, I think a lot of times I've had people ask me about uh, reading the Bible and whether I start Old Testament and New Testament. I often tell them, J- let's just start. <laughs> right. Come just on. Start, and start that's with good. a version that's easier for you to read. Yeah. Because the enemy's subtle trick is to get you to think, oh, you're not ready for this. You're not going to understand it. This is going to be hard. But you just got to start. And I think we start with... Uh, Pastor Rogers, phenomenal job this morning. Let me again say that to you publicly as well as privately. I think it's because we don't, the challenge is we don't deal with the root. We deal with the fruit. Mm. That's right. Mm. God wants us to get to the root of the problem. Yep. Then that, then we'll see what happens as a result of the fruit. But I I agree with you. We need to just start. Mm -hmm. Just start. Good stuff. Good. So a couple of these type of questions came in right now. I think it's really good just to go into kind of a little bit of a different topic, but I do think it's related. And it's really the, the, the question of balance. And I think this is some great wisdom from you you guys. I've worked with you guys, Pastor John. I've known you just for a couple of years and continue to get to know you. But the main question and kind of similar to this is talking about balance in ministry and family. How do you deal with the reality as pastors leading a church full time? How do you do ministry and life at the same time. And I don't think in this day and age, we have to be just pastors to do that. I think men struggle with balance often. So let's talk about that. And I think even that's things that we will hide in caves because we can't balance. So we just put stuff away. But how, how do you guys deal with balance? How do you guys try to balance certain things in life? So just go ahead. Whoever would like to jump in on that one. Cause I'm older. <laughs> because I look and feel older. Uh, no, that that's great. I did. Uh, I've done a few pastors seminars, but it's applicable to us as men because we're all called. Um, that that living a significant life will require sacrifice. Mm. You can't live purposefully without sacrifice. Mm. The key is it's got to be an appropriate sacrifice. Right. You can't you can't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of ministry or or significant living. Mm-hmm. You can't sacrifice the relationship with your children. The the relationship with your body, you need rest. You need to eat, right? So it's about I think um, understanding that you, you, we do have to sacrifice, but it must be appropriate. Um, pastors are notorious for offering an inappropriate sacrifice. It seems that half of PKs love the Lord and half of PKs want nothing to do with God. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I had the privilege of being raised in a, in a, in a minister's home where there was enough balance, mm-hmm. even if it was sort of an old school m- mindset, but there was, there was appropriate balance. My dad was at my baseball games, at my basketball games. Mm. I'm, I'm grateful that so far, 
I'm, you know, two for two with adult children that are still serving the Lord. Mm. Um, I still got two more. <laughs> but I think I'm a better dad now than I was even with the first two. So hopefully it turns out. Um, and so, so I think that, um, that we have to find that place of what's an appropriate sacrifice. And men uh, or pastors in your life that can help you if you're not sure. The second thing, and then I'll move on, is we are in a, America is a very, is a, is a very consumer-minded mentality. Mm-hmm. And so we tend not as a society to leave any room, whether it's on the clock or in the bank. Mm-hmm. We live without margins. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good. And we need margins. There needs to be more money in the bank at the end of the month. Mm-hmm than what you brought in. There needs to be time with your kids and with your spouse. There needs to be time for some healthy hobbies. There needs to be time for rest. So I think some of the recalibration is just taking how, again, I mean, we all have probably had to rehabilitate ourselves from this mindset of spending every bit of money or energy and minute on the clock and finding it's okay not to. And to find margins in our lives so that we can be, have a chance to be healthy rather than running off the edges of the paper and, not, and breaking down. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anyone else for that one? Uh, I, I think it's just that word, balance, right? Balance. We all need balance, whether you're pastor, preacher, teacher, uh, husband, uh, father, brother. Uh, and uh, balance is when you give time and attention to everything in your life. A balanced life. When you think about a car, brothers, you know about this. When you're driving a car, when um, your tires are not balanced, the ride is different. But when everything's balanced, the ride is better. So balance means we have to give time and attention to everything that needs our time and attention. Balance, sometime with the wife, sometime with the kids, time with ministry. And Jesus is a wonderful example of that. Everything Jesus did with balance, his time with the disciples, times he was alone with the father. It's about balance. And none of us will ever be more busier than Jesus was. Come on. Right. I mean, every time you wake up, people are bombarding you. And imagine this. Think about this, brothers. Jesus knew everything about everybody without them saying a word. Imagine the pressure of knowing everything about everybody, and yet he lived a balanced life. So I think it's about being balanced and uh, not giving attention to those things that don't warrant our attention. Right. Right. We give too much attention to things that don't warrant our attention. And that's where the stress comes from, the frustration, the aggravation. Um, I often ask Pastor Eric and we have side conversations and I'll call him and bug him. And I'm amazed at how he juggles all that. And you know what he says to me? Pastor Johnny, you just got to do it. Got to do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, early on when I first became a senior pastor, um, I definitely allowed my ministry to be my mistress, you know, and I was cheating on my family with that ministry for sure. Um, I cheated them out of time and energy. I got home. I was too tired. I was physically there, but I wasn't emotionally available. Um, And so just very pragmatically, just because they've already said it, so I don't. What what I learned to do <clears throat> is I would begin to, on, on my calendar, before I put anything else, is I put the days I was going to take my wife on a date and the days I was going to have daddy-daughter dates. Right. It's good. First. Yeah. 
first. Mm-hmm. Then you fill it out. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, th- and those, you have to commit to those. Mm-hmm. Nope, can't do it that day. Sorry. Oh, yeah, but if you go to this speaking engagement, they're going to give you this much money and, and it's going to be great. And your family really, no, my family does not need that money. What my family needs is me. Yeah. Um, and so, and Pastor Eric said something that kind of that kind of connected in my mind, which is oftentimes you're trying to make a withdrawal on your family that you have not made a deposit in. And so you, you can only do that by by spending time. And so to balance that is important. 30 seconds. Go ahead. Your legacy will not be your ministry or your work. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Good. So your good. legacy, you will not be known for your, no one's going to be at your funeral saying, oh, what a, you know, amazing supervisor. The way he was a supervisor <laughs> changed my life. Right. <laughs> that's not going to be it. What we're going to be talking about is the people you loved, yeah. the people who loved you, right. and what how your life led people closer to Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about, guys. And if if you're 55 years old and just figured that out, that's okay. You got another 30 to live. Change the change the mindset now. It will not, and we get so much gratification out of our work. Mm-hmm. Pastors can be extra tempted because what we're doing can be couched in terms of eternity. Yeah, but it's it's the same. You're doing your calling. I'm doing mine. Right. We can both have a lover that is inappropriate. Right. Right. Your legacy will be if you're married, it's your marriage. If you have children, it's your children. If you're not, it's going to be those you loved, the people in your life that loved you, who you loved, and how your life led people closer to Christ. Yeah. Great stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Got a few questions on this. Kind of, I'm kind of coupling in some questions together so that way we get through. Y'all are texting a lot. This is good. Come on now. All right. So I had a couple questions on, in a culture that calls evil good and good evil, how can men effectively lead and influence their family, younger men, uh, specifically maybe older men that are trying to help disciple or mentor younger men. And so I think it's twofold. Like how do we lead people, our families well, in a culture that says we're doing the exact opposite? How, how do we hold the line in an effective way? And I think it's in the context of my relationship pouring into someone else. I think this is really good. I think most of us here, if you're not, one of the goals is to be discipling someone. That's, that's what Christians do. We pour in, we mentor. But how do I do that when everything else is chaotic around me? So I think a really good question to ask, and we could kind of jump in right off the topic of balance. So anyone have something for that? Mm. I think it's important to be open to change. Mm. I think it's important for uh, whether you're millennial, whether you're uh, senior saint, as they call it, or in between, being open to change. And I have to keep making this reference because Jesus is our living example of how to handle everything and everybody. We take our cue from Jesus. How does Jesus handle it? Jesus handles everybody differently. The woman at the well, it was a conversation, right? Uh, uh, Matthew, he told Matthew, just follow me. In the midst of Matthew doing wrong, he didn't tell Matthew, stop ripping those people off. He just says, follow me. He wanted Matthew just the way he was. The woman at the well, just the way she was. But he knew he would change them. Different methods. And I think when we're open to understanding that because we've got, uh, wonderfully said, you know, a generation that, no, I don't want to put my foot on their neck. We have to change our method, but not our message. So maybe I need to go to uh, the motorcycle club where the guys are to reach those people on their level. 
Maybe I need, you need to go to where people are and don't be afraid of that, especially when you're being led by the spirit. So I think the key is to be open to changing our method, but not our message. That's really good. That's really good stuff. Anything else? Go ahead, Pastor Roger. Yeah. So, uh, you said something in the question about culture and, and good and evil right. and, and right. something like that. Because um, I, I, think, I think that, just, just to kind of go into it a yeah, little bit more, go ahead. Um, that I think we all understand the mandate as men to lead families and mm-hmm. to pour into young people. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a different pressure than maybe 50 years ago. And that is that culture is telling young people what I'm telling them is right. Everything's telling them it's wrong. Mm. And so how can I even do that in that? And I know you're going to refer to that as well. So just to kind of break that down a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, And I think a lot of it, will be depending on who you're discipling and who you're talking about. But a a lot of it for, for me is um, being willing to hear questions, Mm -hmm. being willing to let, to let questions be okay to be asked and then to dialogue about that. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, well, wait a minute. Um, Culture says that homosexuality is cool. Like, that's okay. You're good with that, right? Um, But dad, what you're saying is God says that it's not. Well, what happens if there's somebody that's in the church that's struggling with homosexuality? Are you saying they're going to hell, right? So that's a very cultural issue, right? Um, So, but allowing them to have those kind of questions, allowing them to be vulnerable in those questions and allowing you to be, to begin to dialogue about, uh, about the culture. Um, and, and so that way, you know, you are then equipping, you know, and, and a lot of uh, <laughs> the reason why there's such a gap between when high schoolers go to university is because at university there's that they are they are being bombarded with questions yeah. that were never answered in the Christian home. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And part of that is because the Christian home, the Christian mom and dad depended on the youth pastor to disciple their kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so then you get mad at the youth pastor. What are they teaching you in the youth group? <laughs> I mean, that's just supposed to be a supplement for what they're getting at home. Right. Right. And, and so a lot of it is not to fear these sort of cultural topics, but to take them head on and to, and, and to give answers. And if you don't have an answer, go get one. Right. Yeah. Because there are answers out there. It's true. For, for all of that. So. True. I, oh, go ahead, Pastor. Yeah. So, so guys, if you're, if you're a father or husband, you need to be biblically literate. Yeah. Yeah. You need to read the Bible. Absolutely. Don't wait on me to tell you what to think for the next week or your pastor. You need to go to the word because I think there are two qualities of the people of God that are important. One, we are a people of the book. The word of God is the standard. We need to know the word and be able to share the word. When it comes to work, if you have children, you can't adopt a secular philosophy that says, hey, whatever you want to do or be or say you think, go ahead. Yeah. The, the Lord said, impress upon your children my commandments. Mm-hmm. Teach when you're walking about, when you're sitting at home. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can't not have 
biblical conversations in the house. Right. If you're taking your kids to school, talk to them about the word. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to know the word and impress upon our kids because when they get to the university, if you have not, if you, not me or the youth pastor, if you have not instructed your children in the word, you're sending them like lambs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wrong kind of lamb, right? Not the, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to the slaughter. Yeah. And then you got to try to fight later on it. So you need to impress upon your children or the word of God. And, and, and then again, being open to the conversation because the book has the answer. But the second quality is we're people of love. Mm-hmm. We're people of the book mm-hmm. and we're a people of love. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we have to be balanced, you know, in that approach. I do believe that the church is called to impact the culture of our society. Mm -hmm. And we do it by not changing the word, the book, Mm -hmm. being true to the book, but also being full of the love of Christ. Because at the end of the day, sometimes I think Christians get all dirty and nasty because they feel like God can't defend himself. Mm -hmm. He has no problem defending himself. Can I just say one more thing? Because you just hit on something that made me think of something, Pastor Eric. Uh, The Bible at some point is going to offend you. Yeah. Because the Bible was not written for any from any culture of this world, but from kingdom culture. So at some point, the gospel will be offensive. So in other, in other words, when we read how, you know, God commanded for uh, his people to go and slaughter men, women, and children, there's something in us that says, oof, wait a minute, that's offensive. And so, and so just know that. That, that that it will offend, but but that offense is a sign that it's the word of God because it's not from your culture. Yeah. It's from his. Yeah. It's really, really good stuff. And I and I just to piggyback off of Pastor Johnny, I think relationship is so key, right? Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well. Jesus yeah. has a conversation uh, with Nicodemus in John 3. Mm-hmm. When we're leading people, we can't lead them from the place of status, but we lead them from the place of relationship. And oftentimes I think as a young dad, I can just I can fall into the temptation of, well, you're my son, you're supposed to listen to me. And rightfully so, I think there's a natural sense to that. But the greatest impact will be through relationship. Right? My son just went to the dentist for the first time yesterday and he had no cavities. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. And uh, yeah, that's, that's more to mom than me for sure. <laughs> so what do you do? We, we went to Target and we went to McDonald's and we hung out all day. And what I was doing is changing the narrative that the dentist is like the devil and that it's an awesome time with me and dad. And, and, and relation, the power of time and conversation does that. It's really good. And then just to piggyback off Pastor Eric, how you're called to lead your family, not the world or not the university. There's a quote by a preacher named Vody Bachman that I've always remembered. He said this, he says, if you send your kids to Caesar, don't get mad when they come back as Romans. Right. Right. And so it's our responsibility. If you don't want your kids to act and think like the culture that you got to do it inside the house first, really good stuff. Okay. Speaking of culture, we're going to go into this. And I knew this question was going to come up. Let's talk about politics real quick. You know, it's been a crazy week. Um, This is a really good question, though. How do we deal with political disagreement in our family? And then a couple of these questions came up. How do we deal with political disagreement in our family? How do we deal with politics today that are dividing people? So I think it's more of a 
how do you deal with this politics question and how do we reconcile? How are we able to be the church in a more effective way? And I, and I love this because not only is it politics, but I think we've had a lot of issues that have happened this year with especially the racism stuff that's happened and the, the injustice and things that have gone down. Um, but one of the things I love is if you look at this panel, this is what kingdom looks like, right? This is the beauty of the church. And I'm also assuming Roger's completely white in this story, right? Like I'm just I am. Okay, good. Yeah. Just making I mean, you kind of preach like you're not white, but no, I'm just I, making I, sure. I'm like I'm Mayflower white. Okay, bro. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but right, and I know like Pastor Eric and Pastor Johnny, when we were walking through this as a church, Pastor Eric talked to Pastor Johnny often, and you were a, a huge resource and a friend to us as we were navigating the right questions and things. So I think this is a great conversation for this panel because I think you guys have responded in a tremendous way this year. And how do you do that? How do we reconcile? How do we talk about it? Even if there's disagreements or even if there's things, if there's tension, how do we do that as people who love Jesus and our family and our household and our world? Let's talk about it. I'll just jump in real quick because I'm going to let them take this. I'll just say this. I think the first thing I have to do is I have to check myself because if we have a political disagreement as brothers in Christ, Mm -hmm. if he has a different view than I do, right? Let's just say he's like, don't wear the mask. And I'm like, yeah, wear the mask. I don't know. Right. Let's just, okay. (laughs) If I begin to view him as my enemy now, then that's a sign that I have an idol in my life that I'm not willing to give up. Okay. So if I'm looking at my brother in Christ now as an enemy, because we have a political disagreement, then there's some sort of idol that I have in my life that I'm not willing to put at the feet of Jesus. So the first thing I would do is before getting into these conversations is check my own heart, check my own self and make sure I'm not walking in the room as if I don't need Jesus as much as the next person. Okay. That's it. You're the guest. I want you to, I want the political ads. I want the political. You have less of your people here than I do. So you go first. (laughs) Oh, you got Trump. (laughs) Okay. uh, If we're uh, counting. (laughs) I I think again, brothers, and I will be redundant on purpose. Uh, Jesus, please, if you remember nothing else about me, remember, and he alluded to it about relationship. That's paramount. You've got a relationship with him. Think of it as a father, son, parent, and child. So when I say that about Jesus as our example, Jesus teaches us by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love. So in me loving you, that simply means I'm going to do what's best for you. Sometimes that means we have to agree to disagree and right. keep it moving. Right. Because at the end of the day, my love has got to be stronger than my political view. Amen. My love for you has got to be stronger. Love, I, and I'll, I'll give it to Pastor Eric after this. Love, in my honest assessment, love is the answer. Doesn't matter what the question is. Oh, man. That was good. That's, that's why you went first. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, politics is tricky and sensitive and emotional, and it's been wild, right? Um, I think the church should be concerned about politics as it refers to policy and wanting to be salt and light through vote. Mm-hmm. and uh, impact culture through our love and witness, right? Again, a people of the book and a people of love. I think that 
um, that there are some corners of Christendom that have, uh, on, 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 we, you know, too bad we only have two real parties, right? And so they kind of, they kind of, uh, there's some synergy in where churches will rally around maybe personalities or platforms. I think that's a, a lose-lose yeah. for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. What we need to be is, is not, real, not about party, but about, about policy and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and know this, and know this, that at the end, Christ wins. Amen. 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 The church is his messenger of hope. And so we need to remember our role is to love and to share the truth, um, not to get a person elected. I think, I, I think something that 99.5% of all believers would agree that, that abortion is a heinous thing, mm-hmm. uh, unbiblical, unethical, and awful. Um, but not every issue is that clear. And unfortunately, in our, in our society, there's not a perfect political party that owns all the kingdom issues. Uh, not, uh, you know, there was someone on social media, neither the donkey nor the elephant have the kingdom of God cornered. We as the church have to be about truth, but know that our role is to impact society for the cross. That is our role. And let us not get it confused so that that if you're in a conversation, don't make it about politics. Instead, let's make it about policy. Let's make it about what are those things that we really care deeply about? What should, what, what, what is righteous and unrighteous? It is not righteous that um, that there are so many poor among us. That is not righteous. We should care about that. Neither is it righteous to twist what marriage is about between a man and a woman. That's not righteous. So rather than making it about party, we keep it about truth. And then I think we're kind of free. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of free, like, hey, it's cool whoever you voted for, but 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 these are the things that. I care about, and I'm hoping change. Good stuff. In our society. Good, good stuff. It may not have helped at all, but <laughs> Good stuff. Come on. Okay, so we have time for maybe a couple more, depending on how deep we get into them. I, I really love these two topics um, because I think they're going to give some practicals. I, I think that message really set the tone, Pastor Roger, about caves, and so we've got a lot of questions about caves. Like like every text has been about a cave. Okay. So definitely the cave. The lactites in our cave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So um, this one is really good. I, and it, it's about the area of forgiveness. Yeah. I believe one of the ways we can take the rocks away from the cave is forgiveness. To speak allegorically, like how you spoke allegorically, Pastor Roger. I, I think forgiveness is a huge practical step. And we had a couple questions on forgiveness. So I'm just going to ask this one. How do we deal with the forgiveness issue? Whether it's us needing to be forgiven or for us that needs to forgive someone else. I think this is going to help set a lot of people free. So just some practicals. How can they be in a, in, a, in a better place to forgive or how can they forgive more often for especially those who are struggling with forgiveness because I think that's a great way to attack the cave situation if anyone wants to jump in on that go uh, ahead go ahead so for me when I when I struggle with unforgiveness 
Um, I have to remember that this is why it's good to know a healthy doctrine of sin. And here's why. I know I just said the S word. I know. Um, We're very comfortable with sin. We're cool. We're familiar with it. (laughs) Good. Uh, So this is why it's good to have a good doctrine of sin. Because what tends to happen when unforgiveness sets in is I tend to forget that I too am someone that's been forgiven. And and I tend to not I tend to think that the sin that I caused, the offense that I caused, is somehow less than the offense that the person caused towards me. And I am more quick to give grace to somebody that has my same struggle. But I'm slower to hand out grace in an area where I feel I'm stronger than that person. And so, and so when it comes to unforgiveness, I have to remind myself that, um, that my sin is just as egregious. Um, my offense towards God is just as egregious as whoever it was that offended me. And if he can forgive me, and if I understand now the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of grace, all that, you know, everything that comes with that now, then um, all of a sudden uh, it, become, it becomes easier for me to do that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Pastor Johnny. Pastor I, I will, I will uh, concur with Pastor Eric, and he said it so well. We ought to be people of the book and people of love. Uh, we ought to forgive, as simple as I can possibly put it. We ought to forgive, Pastor Rogers alluded to it, we ought to forgive because we've been forgiven. All sin is sin. And I think this is where, uh, pastors, the church has the big problem. We like to put levels on sin. Well, you lie, and I don't lie, I steal. Uh, you're, you're gay, but I'm not gay, but I'm robbing people. All sin is sin. And when we understand we're all on that same playing field and that God has forgiven us, then we ought to forgive people based on the fact we have been forgiven, not only of the past, not only of the present, but of the future. Forgive because you've been forgiven. Come on. Good stuff. Go ahead. And guys, it's a, it can be a process. Right. right. So it's not like, okay, then I guess I'll forgive her. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it never bothers you again. Right. I, I think there's, there can be uh, a daily process. Right. Because, because the feelings of woundedness or hurt or betrayal come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's about contending with that so that it doesn't settle back into unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment. So one of the things I encourage people to, because it's helped me, is when someone's offended me and I'm tired of carrying it, right? There's that saying, uh, holding a grudge is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies, right? So when I'm tired of taking that poison in, then uh, I will will pray and say, Lord, I forgive them. And then I'll start to pray for them. Lord, bless his marriage. Lord, bless his business. Bless his relationship with his kids. And I'm not feeling all that charitable or loving, but I'm professing blessing over him. And the, the, I find the grip of that spirit of 
of offense loosens. And then the next day, I might feel the offense again. So I go to pray, Lord, I forgive them. And I pray blessing. Help them. If they don't know you, Lord, win them. They're lost. They're hurting. Put their lives back together. After a while of that, you're free. Right. That is so fire. Um, one of the most dangerous past wor- uh, verses in scripture, which there's many, but one of them is when we say, Lord, forgive me as I have forgiven my enemies. Because in other words, what we're saying is God treat me the same way I treat my offenders. Oh, man. Come on. Right. Yep. And that's exactly what he just said. When you start praying. See, that's when. That's when you really start getting free because now you're taking the thermostat out of their hands mm-hmm. and putting it back in God's. Because see, if that person can enter the room and it and it and, the, and that controls you, or you find out that person's been invited to the same barbecue you've been invited to, and that there's there's some kind, you feel some kind of way, there's still right, and it's taking that thermometer, that thermostat out of out of their hands and putting it back into God's. Yeah. And that's true that. Uh, Man, when you can start when you can start praying for them like that, and sincerely praying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not like you know. Oh, it not, starts cold. It, it does, <laughs> but right. it warms right. up after a while. There's, a little, there's, yeah. there's, some salt, there's some salt and some shade. You know what I'm saying? At first, it's 99 percent faith, one percent actual love, but then yeah. it gets better. Right? Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> and I, just, just I think all that's really good uh, for me. What's helped me a lot too is remembering that forgiveness is not a feeling. But forgiveness is an action. Forgiveness is uh, uh, almost a a character trait of who God is. And so it's me coming into this reality that I don't need to feel it to forgive them. And I think sometimes as people, we feel like, well, I don't feel like it's over. I still feel hurt. I still feel broken. It still comes up. But that's not a prerequisite for forgiveness. Forgiveness is like what Pastor Eric said, the ability to stop drinking the poison of someone else's pain that they caused you and letting Jesus make you free. So I feel like that helps some people as well. And one of the things that I do to do it, uh, some of you just got to do it daily. So this is what I recommend. Some of you got some people you need to forgive right now. Write it on a sticky note, a note card, put it in your car, put it in your mirror. And when you get ready, unless it's your wife's name, then that's awkward. Because you're going to be like, why is my name on your mirror? And be like, uh, don't worry about it, right? Some of y'all got to see it every day and say, Jesus, I forgive them. Even if you don't feel it, you got to do it. You got to do it and you'll get there. Good stuff. Okay. Last question. interject this real quick. Yeah, go Because one of the things I know a lot of believers struggle with uh, that, I've been, uh, that I've been confronted with is how do I forgive and forget? You don't have to forget. Right. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Right. Watch true. this. So sometimes you need to remember how somebody did you wrong so you don't fall to that trap again. Mm-hmm. Right? Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is not holding on to the pain of the past in my present. Right, right, right. We got to move on. So get rid of that. I got to, uh, well, I, I can't forget. Don't forget. You just hold on, don't hold on to it. Come on, because brothers, you like me, you've been burned or hurt by another brother. You don't want to forget that so they can do it again. You just don't allow that to, to hold on to you or you holding on to it where you can't move forward. Well, one, one last thing. I know there's another oh, question. Go ahead. No, this you, is good. This is good. You can't show mercy unless you have power. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's about knowing who you are in Christ. Oh, my gosh. Why you so that... 
<laughs> you have the power to show mercy. Come on. And that's what Christ gives us is you can't show mercy if they're stronger than you. That's right. It's the one who's stronger that can show mercy. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's an important thing for us to grow in, in our identity in Christ enough to know. Yeah. That I can and I should and I must show mercy. And that whole process of that abusive father that beat you, mm-hmm. you should have known better. You were just a kid. But reframing your memory so that you can forgive, knowing he was probably abused, he was an alcoholic, he was broken, mm-hmm. yeah. he was possessed, whatever it was, mm-hmm. to show him mercy grows compassion. So it's not about forgetting, it's about making us better. Yes, yes. that's it. Better people. Right, and it's not excusing go, go ahead, Pastor Roger. No, Put the mic. There's no excuse for it. Yeah. Right. right, it's just, it's just. But, use the mic, bro. Reality behind you. Use, use, so use, use the mic. Use the oh, mic. I know. You're I just said. I, I just said, and, and it's not that he. It's not that Pastor Eric's excusing that dad for those actions. It's that he's calling out realities that are behind that. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's a whole sermon for another time. Okay, last question. We're going to make it a little bit lighter, all right, just because those were intense. But come on, can we just give it up for the panel one more time? Was that some good stuff? Great questions. Great stuff. Last question here, and I think this is great, and then we're going to take a little bit of break. If you could sit down right now and have a conversation with Jesus, what meal would you be eating with him? <laughs> what meal? What meal? You and Jesus. Any meal. Ooh. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I do comfort food all the way. So mac and cheese, some kind of meat, mashed potatoes. It, it would just, it, it'd have to be a spread of everything. So, so Thanksgiving. Anything. Times 20. I'd be like, you multiply bread and fish. Go ahead, Jesus. I mean, do it. Okay. Pastor Eric, go ahead. <laughs> that was very Mayflower of you, when Pastor Roger. When, when your God <laughs> multiplies food, you know you you know you you're following the right person. Yeah, right? come on. You say glory, <laughs> <laughs> Pastor. Go ahead. Oh man, what do I? What is it like? What do I like to eat? What Jesus likes to eat? I get like just the perfect meal. You know, you I Jesus. do like a little bit of everything. Right. I wouldn't mind like some Popeye chicken. Oh, okay. A bowl of pozole. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe a uh, a Thrive Roll from Mikasa right here, the sushi yeah. place here. Okay. You got a Thrive Roll there. Okay. Uh, and for dessert. Oh, he went dessert. I got to oh, have dessert. dessert. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, I like chocolate silk pie. Yeah. Oh. And I would just ask him to take all the calories off of everything. Yeah. And he could do that. You know he could do that. I know. Yeah, I heard heaven shout when he said chocolate silk pie. <laughs> All right, Pastor Johnny, go ahead. Um, everything. Every, yeah. No, I mean, if, if I'm with Jesus and he can do anything, let's right. eat everything. Right. That, yes. Let's taste this. Let's taste that. Let me get some gumbo. Let me get yes. some ribs. Yes. Let me get uh, uh, some souffle. Let, let's have right. some, uh, uh, let's have some uh, grits and let's have some uh, salmon. Let's, let's just do it all. <laughs> And, and, and I'm with Pastor Eric. Jesus, after we eat it all, we don't want to have no cap. You lost weight. Let's just, yeah, you lose Come weight. Come on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Let's do it all. <laughs> Good stuff. Let's do it all. Good stuff. All right, everybody, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give it up for the panel one more time. Come on, everybody. Thank you, guys. Pastor Roger, Pastor Eric, Pastor Johnny, thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.